back for another episode of the Burning Leaf Podcast and a bit of history being made on the Burning Leaf Podcast as we welcome in our first guest. But before we get to that interview, we have to talk about our Flames and Leafs. What's your thoughts on the first couple games, boys, back into the hockey world? We'll go with Russo first because he seems to ramble on about the Flames all the time. So we'll get your thoughts on the Flames start to the season so far, Russo. Uh, you know, you, you take away the first, you take away the second and third periods against the, the Winnipeg Jets in that first game. I thought the Flames, they've looked pretty damn good um, to start. Uh, Jacob Markstrom, he's living up to that 6 by 6 contract. He's been damn great to start the year. Johnny Gaudreau looks like his redemption tour is his redemption tour is starting off strong. Sean Monaghan, Matthew Kachuk, um, Elias Lindholm playing first line center. Um, he's looked pretty uh, comfortable there to start the season. So um, I've been pretty happy with the way they've played. You know, obviously, like I said, those uh, second and third periods against the Jets were not very great, and their first period on Monday night against uh, Vancouver wasn't that inspiring, but. Um, I've been pretty happy, I think, um, with how they've started the year. Um, not too many complaints. Um, yeah, you know, they have two wins. They haven't lost regulation yet, so not too much to complain about. And obviously their next game is the Leafs, so that'll be probably their first real big test of the year. Um, but like I said, no complaints really. Yeah, and like how can you complain again about Markstrom getting his shutout against the, his former team? Like, so good. That's just icing on top of the cake fantastic and then it's funny uh it's funny because i said in like our like one of my group chats like with a couple of my buddies tom was in there but he was probably asleep um i said (laughs) before that game against the canucks where he shut them out i said um one of two things is going to happen in this game either jacob markstrom's going to get a shutout because it's against his old team or he's going to get lit up for eight goals and uh he uh got the shutout so he did the positive thing did the positive yeah. thing. I'm very happy with it. Yeah, I'll just real quick, and I'll let you guys go. Just so this is what it's like having a good goalie, huh? <laughs> I guess so. This is, what it's, this is what it's like. It's pretty fun. Yeah, man. it's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. So uh, moving on, I... what are, the Leafs have obviously got off to a pretty good start. They're three and one. What have uh, been some takeaways that you guys have uh, taken from the Leafs here? Well, like you said, what is it like having a good goalie? Um, I know about half of the time what that's like. Just. We have September Freddy in January. He looked really good against the Jets in the fourth game. But it's been a positive start to the season, I guess. He lost to Ottawa, where they just kind of looked very lethargic throughout the entire game. I mean, they have one of those every year in the first three games. But overall, like this team looks very good. The defense, they have like eight NHL caliber defenseman now. Everybody up and down the forward group has contributed in some way, whether that's Joe Thornton, Jimmy VC, even Wayne Simmons with the fight. Like they've had a, a pretty good start to the season, and I think this is something that they need to continue throughout the rest of the season if they're gonna stay tops in the Canadian division. And now that we know what they look like, I think it's not out of the or, like, they will need to finish first in this division for it to be considered anything close to a successful season and hopefully build on that momentum going into the playoffs. Yeah, I thought they looked decent. I mean, some lapses here and there, some defensive lapses we've seen carry over from a couple seasons ago to now. But I think when you have a 3-1 and one start to your season, I think you can't really complain no matter how the outcome is, whether you play good or bad. 3-1 and one is still first in your division, and it's pretty incredible that they're a 3-1 because some of the games they play, they got outplayed, like the Montreal game, like the first Ottawa game, which was just, oh my god, it was just a tough watch because yeah. multiple players on our team were a minus, dash, sorry, dash four, and that's not great. So can't complain with a 3-1 start to the season. We're in first in the division right now, but it's really, really early into the season. And I guess since we're kind of early early into the season what have been some of the players that have stood out for you personally in uh, the start of the season so i'll go with you tom first because i see you have the, your first guy here yeah um the redemption tour of jack hughes this guy just needed one season under his belt to grow one more year of maturity and he's been 
uh, quite honestly, fantastic for the Devils. And I've watched a lot of their games so far, and they're missing Nico sure, so he's really stepped up. And he has it's two goals, four assists in the first three games of the season, and that's the most in franchise history, I guess you can say. It's small sample size. Um, but he's looked, quite honestly, very dominant and following in the footsteps of his brother, Quinn, uh, in Vancouver, where it took him an extra year, but he's looked very good. Russo, you have one? Yeah, there, there was a few guys I was kind of debating um, towards. Um, I'm going to go with the bias answer just because I've watched so much of the Flames this year. Um, I'm going to go with Dylan Dubé. Um, this is a guy that he had a really tough like rookie season like when in 1819 when he was there he couldn't really get his footing in the nhl um and then last year it was kind of more of towards the same thing he would have a really good game then like he would look like you know maybe he needs some more time in the minors then he went into the bubble last year and he was a completely new player and like just completely dominant and he's carried that over this year um he's playing on that top line with kachuk and lindholm Hopefully, he left Monday's game with an injury. Hopefully, it's not too serious. We're going to get an update on that today. Um, but I just really hope that um, that's not too serious. But he's looked so comfortable on that top line. Just He's probably the Flames' best skater. He moves extremely well. He hunts down pucks. And what I, said, what I would always say in his rookie year was it looked like his feet moved too fast for his hands. And he would always lose the puck because he'd be skating super fast. Um, but now it looks like he's kind of has that under control, and um, it looks like this guy's gonna be a, a real good one for us. And I've had I've been very impressed with Dylan Dubé's uh, start to the year. Um, and I'll throw it over to you, Thomas. Who's your um, start of the season standout? Yeah, I don't really like have one so far. It's pretty early, but I guess my guy is kind of in my uh, player of the week. So I'll mention that later when we get to that segment. But you had a question, Russo. You wanted to ask us. Yeah, I wanted to know. Out of all the newcomers on the Leafs, and then I'll answer for the Flames, okay. who has been most impressive to you guys out of the, the new guys that have come in? Okay, I wouldn't say like impressive, but I would say the way Joe Thornton has been, has been handling himself on the first line with Matthews and Marner getting some of that ice time is actually pretty incredible that he's doing that at the age he is because, yeah, you know, we've talked about the two knee injuries that he's had and the way he's able to keep up. It's actually pretty incredible that he's out there skating not as fast as them, but kind of keeping up in sort of sense. He has two points in uh, four games, which is pretty cool. So I'd probably have to say him. And my answer will probably change in the next few weeks or so. But I don't know, Tom, do you agree with me or you have a different player in mind? Oh, I'll agree with you. I think Thornton's been pretty much everything we can ask. But for the sake of changing it up, I'm going to drop it down one line. And I'm going to say Jimmy Avisi, he has the same amount of goals as Austin Matthews. So... He's been, um, I wouldn't necessarily say like superstar power, Jimmy VC. You don't think of that when you think of him, but he fits really well in the line with Tavares and Nylander. Uh, fantastic fit there, and I have no complaints. He's done a little bit more than what I think he's been asked to do. He's very comp- a very nice complimentary piece on that line. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a bad pick. Um, for myself, though, this one's easy. Um, Jacob Markstrom. Um, like I mentioned earlier, he's completely living up to that contract that he signed back in October. Um, I was a little skeptical, no question about it. This, you know, he's a 30-year-old goaltender. You know, we don't really know how goaltenders age, and goaltenders are voodoo. They're very weird. Uh, but Jacob Markstrom through three games, he's at a 9.35 save percentage. He's been very, very good. I mean, you know, it is still very early. Like Thomas, I know you were saying. Um, but it's just, you know what, he's looking like the guy who's going to be able to hold down the fort back there. And, um, yeah, he's he's been awesome so far. And uh, I'll just give a quick shout out to Nikita Nesterov, who I wasn't really too sure what he would be like back in the NHL. Obviously, he left a few years ago, and now he's back. Um, him and Yusuf Alamaki have been really, really solid mm-hmm. um, to start the year on that third pair. They're getting a little bit of sheltered minutes, but, um, yeah, they've... Look good. You know, I, I can't really complain, Nikita Nesterov. Well, we talked about the light side here, kind of, yeah. what the season standouts have been. Who are some of the teams that be that should be ringing that alarm bell very early into the season? So, Russo, you love these boys. You can talk about them. 
I'm, I'm kind of torn between two teams, but I'll go with uh, the team that we all agreed I was going to talk about, the Edmonton Oilers. I know it's four games in. It's just they have not looked really good at all, have they? I mean, other than... They've been you know, terrible. Yeah, and like... That defense is terrible. Obviously, McDavid had that hat-trick game, and like, I don't know about you, but like the games I've watched doesn't seem like McDavid's as engaged maybe as the Oilers would want him to, but... It's the same old questions about the Oilers that they've had for years now. It's There's no depth on this team. Kyle Turris is washed. Uh, Jesse Pugliarvi, they really haven't given a chance to succeed. Their defense is brutal. I mean, you're throwing, like, they scratched Ethan Bear and Caleb Jones the other night. Like, what? Like, why? I, I, and so the same question on the blue line. Tyson Berry is not the defenseman. He even was in Colorado, but, like, he's never been good defensively. So, and then their goaltending. Like, again, I said this back in October about this team, is that you had the most flooded um, free agent pool of goalies this offseason, and you guys ran it back with Nico Koskinen and Mike Smith. And now Mike Smith is injured, and now you're going to, you know, rely on Koskinen. Mm-hmm. It's it's worrying. So Thomas, I know you wanted to add something about that. <laughs> yeah, so you said that Bear and Jones were scratches, right? Yes. So I was like, where the hell's Ethan Bear on the power play? And who do I see? Get on the ice, go off the boards. Number four, Chris Russell on the second yeah. power play. Are yeah. you kidding me? I know. I know. You have better guys in the lineup that can play on the power play, let alone on the in the press box, oh, better than Chris Russell on the power brutal. play. Like, like th- that was their second pair was Chris Russell and Tyson Berry. Oh my god, it's, that's brutal. Like, and I'm gonna say it again: just you're wasting away the years of '97 here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, getting to like, that point. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong; I do not like the Oilers just because Battle of Alberta. I I, I don't like the Oilers, but I want to see Connor McDavid succeed. You know, I really, really do. And they're not... like. And I understand the cap. The cap didn't move. I get it. And I know they have some bad contracts, but some of those bad contracts were signed literally last year. Zach Cassian. Um, who... Why, why is Zach Cassian still playing on the first line? Someone, please. It give... I know Pugliarvi isn't proven. God forbid playing with McDavid. Please. Please. Yeah, I don't know. Just, That's really try it. I, I want. Yeah, just try it. Like it. Like just if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Just try it. Um, I just. I don't know. I just wanted to give a quick shout out to also the Canucks. Um, I know they they had a really hard schedule to start the year. I think they played three and four to start the year. Um, Elias Pettersson, he was very non-existent against the Flames, and I get it. First few games of the year, but. Um, I'd be a little worried about the Canucks, too. I, I don't necessarily know where they're going to go from here. Um, their roster did get depleted a little bit over the offseason. Their forward group is not very deep other than their top two lines. Um, but, yeah, just I think the Canucks might be one to watch moving forward. Yeah, and then I guess for my team as well, I have one team specifically I want to point out, but uh, just very quickly, the Buffalo Sabres, man, you got to keep Jack Eichel around. You got to make the playoffs, and they don't look like they want it so far. Um, but staying in that division, the Boston Bruins look—they <laughs> look. It's a, they haven't been good at all. They don't have a five v five goal, and they've played the Devils the first two games and lost in. Uh, OT in the shootout. Um, or, sorry, they won in the shootout and then lost in overtime. But they haven't looked good at all. They don't have the 5v5 goal, and then they got shut out against the Islanders in a boring game to watch. And I know that they're missing Pasternak, and he's by far and away their best goal scorer, but you mm-hmm. have to have something else. Craig yep. Smith didn't start the season, and then he's back now and hasn't looked great. Bergeron, we thought this might tail off in the next year or two. This year might be the year he finally falls off, and it's looking that way. And then they got rid of Krug, and it really shows they're missing something on the back end. And then this team just overall, last year was probably the end of that window closing, but they look a lot worse than uh, I think most people anticipated. 
So, yeah. I agree. I totally agree. They have as much 5-on-5 five five goals as the Dallas Stars, who haven't played a game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then Concerning. also, too, they played, they had, like, a, I guess an easier start to their season with the Devils, and then they go into uh, two games and three nights against the Flyers, and then the Penguins again, and then the Capitals again, and then back to the Flyers, and then they don't play the Sabres until uh, a week into February is mm-hmm. finally, I guess, when you see their schedule ease up. And then by that point, they could be well out if they don't get their act together. So, yeah, that's they'll be interesting to watch. And uh, anything else? Or can we move on to Russo just wanting to talk about his boy? Uh, no, we're gonna we're, we'll wait on that uh, towards the end. Okay. Um, I did want to mention just quickly about Buffalo. Uh, yes. Jack Eichel's running mate Taylor Hall. They've been pretty good together. So um, I don't think they you can play been. those two. But uh, another guy on the Sabres who might have potentially scored like a goal of the year candidate so far. <laughs> holy crap, Curtis Lazar. Yeah. Where was that in Calgary? <laughs> Where was that second was, round pick paid for? Shot. Like Jesus, my God, he was. That game against Philly, he was damn good. But, um, yeah, I, I'd be a little bit worried if I was a Sabres fan, like you said. So, um, But the other the other team, I, I just kind of like, if Chicago didn't win a game this year, would it surprise you guys? Well, yeah, yeah, it would. That's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> I've been saying last, that. wouldn't no, because I've been I've been saying it like this whole like this whole time. Like if Buffalo went or Buffalo, if Chicago went zero fifty six, like it wouldn't even surprise me. That team is brutal. No, it really surprised me. I don't think you get zero wins. <laughs> no, well, it's not gonna happen. They'll, they'll win eventually. Yeah. Just man, like they don't have a goalie. Like I don't even know who they played in net last night. Kevin Lankinen. Yeah, it was his first NHL start. And who? Yeah, yeah ex- exactly. <laughs> oh no, exactly. Um, and they, they lost in overtime. So they got a point. They got a point. They're not going to go pointless, but they got a point. Um, but, yeah, um, I know you guys – there was something kind of weird, funny, I mean, just a little odd that happened earlier this week, and that was Jason Spezza getting waived. Um, this was a guy that I think a lot of Leaf fans felt were disrespected by Babcock at the beginning of 1920 when he didn't play in the home opener, and this year he gets waived. I know it was a cap thing, but what were your guys' initial reaction on that towards Jason Spencer getting waived? Tom, do you want to go first? Oh, sure. I mean, uh, not going to lie, I was like kind of worried that somebody would claim him. And then along with Dell, we lost Aaron Dell to the Devils, and that's unfortunate. He had really cool pads, never got to see them. But like Jason Spezza um did he deserve to be waived no it was just a cap thing and Mm -hmm. whatever and then i guess the point of this was the situation that he found himself in where him and his agent said if you claim me i'll retire and that's what made him pass through waivers which i guess as a veteran move that's pretty ballsy to do (laughs) and i just think it's pretty cool that he really just wants to finish his career here and he really wants to be a leaf Mm-hmm. And we saw it in the playoffs last year too, when he fought and he was not going out without a fight. So yeah, agree. Yeah, there's not much I can say. That's I literally agree on everything yeah. you just said. So yeah, I know there's another. I know Fair there's enough. another situation we kind of want to get into. So Russo, you can kind of mention that right now. Oh, Keith Yandel. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So um, so Keith Yandel, um, if you've been living under a rock in Florida, it looked like he was going to be scratched, and it looked like his Ironman streak was going to come to an end. He's currently he's played in the last two games for the for the Panthers. He's up to eight hundred and sixty eight straight games. But I know Keith Yandel maybe isn't the player he once was. But like it just this feels like so disrespectful to the player. Like that's mm-hmm. how the Iron Man streak was gonna end. Mm-hmm. Like you were in a healthy scratch up. And now he, he obviously he scored in that first game in Chicago. Did he score? No, yep. he got an, he got an assist. It was his last hundredth goal. Yeah, but then last night he got the assist on the the Hornquist goal on the power play. It's just man, like imagine that's how his streak would have ended though, by getting healthy scratched. Yeah, slap in the face. Yeah, like, and it man, was like, a um sort of a retaliation thing because they wanted him to waive his no trade no clause, I believe yeah. it was, so that yeah. they could move him and his salary because Florida has no money. So. He said no, and then part of that was, okay, we'll just scratch you until you do it. And then I guess they can do an internal agreement, whatever. Hey, don't do this. But 
It's just, it would have been so unfortunate overall. And then I, I guess I have a question to you guys. There's three players that are sort of in the realm of being able to break the Ironman streak of Doug Jarvis at 964 games played. It's Yandel, like we mentioned, at 868, Marlowe at 857, and Phil the Thrill Kessel at 847. Do you guys think any of those players can break the streak? Um, potentially Phil Kessel. I think Phil Kessel, you know, this, this guy never gets injured. Um, I don't think Marlowe, just because I don't think he's going to be playing for that much longer. Yeah. Um, so I doubt Patrick Marlowe, but I, I'd say it's between Yandel and Kessel. I think if Yandel just continues to play and, like, there's no internal beef anymore with the Panthers, even if mm-hmm. he gets moved and then just he goes and plays, um, I can see one of those two guys doing it. What would happen? We don't know. We don't know. Like, like th- this year, obviously, like, there's so much more playing into it. Like, if a COVID thing happens with one of these players, then it's over. Like, yeah. Especially in yeah. two hot spots in Arizona and in Florida. <laughs> um, it, it's potentially a little more likely, but, hey, you know, you never know. But I'd put my money on probably probably Kessel. Yeah. Just because you know he's going to play. I don't think there's any reason for Arizona to scratch him at this point. Like I, yeah, I would, I, I would say no for now. But I also love to be proven wrong. So yeah. I hope one of them can do it. Like you said, Russo Marlowe probably not because his career is probably coming to an end yeah. after this year. But longevity of Kessel and Yandel could definitely go to nine hundred sixty-four. Yeah, I, I think definitely yeah. think at least all of them have a shot. You guys are counting Marlowe. I think he's just gonna, he's just gonna go for it. <laughs> Maybe only about a hundred games. There's fifty. Or so in this season he plays, eighty ish in the next. Hopefully that's enough. I think he can play enough. I think yeah. there's a realistic chance all three of these guys can break Let, the streak. Let's be proven wrong. Yeah, it's potential. Yeah. Uh, just another quick thing on the Yandel situation though. It's like I saw a lot of people saying this is the GM, this is Bill Zito doing this. I don't necessarily think it is. Like this is remember it is Joel Quenville behind the bench. Mm-hmm. Go ask any yep. Chicago Blackhawk fan about what he did to Brian Campbell. I don't think this is on the GM. I think this is potentially Coach Q being like, I don't want you in my lineup. So um, we'll see how that plays out. I hope they just play him because yep. who else is on that blue line? And who else is on that team to like help contribute? I was watching the Panthers game and two things hit me <laughs> on Sunday. Because I, I totally forgot that the Panthers were allowing fans into the building. Yeah. So when I saw they were yeah. doing, like, the intros, like, to the players when they were, like, introdu- introducing the team, they were all, like, waving their sticks at the crowd. And I'm like, who are they waving at? I'm like, no one's in the crowd. And then they zoomed out. I'm like, oh, crap, right. They're having fans in the building. <laughs> so there was that. And the other thing is I saw Ryan Lomberg made the friggin' yeah team out of camp. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, this guy couldn't crack the flames. Like, this guy's... I was like, wow. I'm like, Jesus, Florida. I'm like, get your stuff together. But to be fair, they haven't looked bad. Carter Verhage's look pretty good. Yeah, top so, line Carter Verhage. Yeah. yeah, and Sergei Bobrovsky just picking up where last year left off, eh? A solid <laughs> 8-8-2 in his first game. Oof. <laughs> Oof. Yikes. See, this is what I hope Jacob – this is what I was hoping Jacob Markstrom wouldn't be in. So far, so good. But, my God, Bob, like, please just pick it up here. Um – Real quick, Tom, I know you wanted to talk about this. So this isn't really hockey, yeah. related, but Tom, you very controversial. Oh, you're a fan of this team, but um, I'll, I'll take it away. Up. Go for it. Um, just being a Leafs Flames centric podcast, being located in Canada, we all enjoy watching one baseball team and one baseball team only. The Toronto Blue Jays signed George Springer to the largest free agent contract in Blue Jays history, $150 million over six years. They didn't finish second. We didn't finish second. They didn't finish second. After Lindor, Kluber, um, LeMahieu, and a whole bunch of other free agents finishing second. They um, got their guy. Finally didn't do it. The Jays got their guy that they wanted the entire offseason. And it's just an exciting time in the world of baseball. And just... Toronto sports fans, the Blue Jays fans. Um, Controversial, as you would call it, with the Astros cheating scandal. But um, 
everything you know from Springer. He's a outside of that, a fantastic dude, great competitor, very electric player, very clutch, and just a great um, guy in the city of Houston with charity organizations and everything. It's a fantastic pickup, and I'm really excited to watch him when hockey is not on and we have the off season uh, just to watch baseball and go golfing. Yeah, so, yeah, dude. Like, just real quick: Springer, Bichette, Vlad, Martin, Pearson. Oh boy, this is gonna be fun. It, this is gonna be. Fun. It's gonna be really exciting. Yeah. Uh, moving on. Player of the week. Who? we thought was, you know, some of the best players over the past week. I'll start with you, Thomas. Who was your player of the week in the NHL's first week back? Yeah, my player of the week is Travis Konechny of the Philadelphia Flyers. Four goals, two assists, six points, one power play goal, and a hat trick all on top of that. Konechny's looked tremendous in the Flyers uniform this season. Obviously played two games against Pittsburgh and two games against Buffalo. Looked good in all four games. I think the Flyers are destined for a long run, so he's going to be a big part of that team, and he already is at the age he is. And I hate, I just, I would, if I was an NHL player facing off against Connecting, I would hate to play against that guy because he's good and he could piss you off. So that is my player of the week for uh, the first week of the NHL season. Yeah. Tom? Um, mine is John Tavares. He leads the league in points slash goals slash assists, uh, three goals, three assists. Just he's looked really good this year. He looks different. He looks a lot faster than he did last year. Sort of like the John Tavares we expected. Um, and then also just congratulations to him, birth of his second son. So hopefully we'll have some dad power in his stick for the upcoming season. And just yeah. congrats to him. Um, my player of the week. I've been gassing this guy up all off season. I was gassing him up after his first NHL game last week, where he had. Three points, or three points? Yeah, three points in his NHL debut. Uh, Dalva Bill, Kirill, Kirill Kapri- uh, Kaprizov. Holy crap, was this guy good. Like, you know, obviously he had that game-winning goal in overtime against the, the Kings in their first game, and then he um, had the game-winning assist in their second game um, against the Kings, also in overtime. Like, here's the thing. I never ever wanted to watch the Minnesota Wild play. They just, I found them boring. There's not a lot of star power there. Now they have Kirill Kaprizov, and this kid is unbelievable. Like, the way he moves, like, his puck skills are tremendous. He's a dog on the ice. Like, holy crap. Um, Lived up to the hype, and, like, I loved watching him this week, and I can't wait to watch him for the next 10 years. He's going to be awesome. Um, but yeah, Kirill Kaprizov, Dollar Bill Kirill, Kirill the Thrill, he's my guy. Um, and uh, just real quick, uh, because this literally just broke, going back to the Jays, they uh, signed Michael Brantley, uh, three-year agreement, at least that's what's been reported. So that's pretty cool if the Jays make another big move. Um, just before we get to our final segment, the Leafs play the Oilers tonight. I just wanted to get Tom and Thomas's your thoughts on uh, tonight's matchup and uh, what you guys think is going to happen here. Because we know Connor McDavid, whenever he plays the Leafs, it seems like he always gets up for those games. First off, 100%, Connor McDavid's getting a goal. Second off, 100%, Absolutely. Tyson Berry's getting a goal. Third off, 100%, Dry Settle's getting a goal. All three of those guys Absolutely. are going to get a goal tonight because we've seen it happen before and the Leafs tend to let uh, the big boys score against them. So. Nah, but for real though, I think it's going to be a, it should be a tight game. A lot of star power in this one. Edmonton, like you said, they're on that alarm bell list for you guys. And yeah, that alarm bell has to set in for that team. They have to get going. The depth has to step up. And what other night than versus the Toronto Maple Leafs in Toronto to step up and get that depth scoring. So hopefully it's a good game on the Leafs side, but it's not looking promising to a uh, depleting Oilers team who can't really get it together to come into Toronto and win. So we'll see what happens tonight. Yeah, just it's going to be an interesting game. It's always fun with McDavid Matthews. I know uh, against the Jets, they really tried to hype up Matthews line in and Matthews didn't play. So then they tried a random Mitch Marner versus Mark Shifley rivalry. And then that just was weird. That's not a thing. But uh, we finally have two of the game's brightest stars going up against each other. And it's... They've played, I believe it's four times throughout their career. 
Um, and then they're going to play four times in the next 10 days. Going to be fantastic to watch. And just going to be really fun. Uh, and then I guess that can segue us into our final take or our final um, part of the episode. Hot take of the week. Now, for you guys, this might sound a little bit a little bit weird considering we just talked about how Edmonton looks horrible and Vancouver looks even worse. However, I propose to you guys the idea that the Winnipeg Jets are the worst Canadian team. What do you guys think? It's hard to argue. Um, if Connor Hellebuck doesn't exist, oof. Like, yeah, you're right on there. It's just their defense isn't great. We've known this. Uh, their top six when it's on, like Shifley, Line A, Ehlers, Connor, Wheeler, they have a very good top six. They obviously picked up Paul Stassen in the offseason. Um, but they're lucky their top six is so good that they're able mm-hmm. to get themselves out of situations that they shouldn't even be in. And they're also lucky they have the best goalie on the planet in Connor Hellebuck. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I can't agree with you. I just, I still think it's Ottawa just because. They don't necessarily have the star power yet. Their defense, other than Thomas Shabbat's kind of a disaster. And Matt Murray has been not great to start the year. Um, I disagree with he you, but it's not. He had a bad game against the Jets last night. Yeah, he wasn't great. Um, I, I disagree with you, but it's not too far off. I mean, I still think the Jets might sneak in just because, like I said, the firepower up front and Connor Hellebuck in the crease. Um, that's kind of where I stand. They beat the Flames, obviously, last week, and... The Flames didn't help themselves by looking very, very bad. Uh, but I don't think they're worse than the Sens, at least at this point. Yeah, no. For that hot take, I'm going to have to disagree and say no. The Ottawa Senators are okay. definitely the worst okay. team in the Canadian division. Even, honestly, if you even if you take Hellebuck out, like I know they rely on him a lot, they're probably still better than Ottawa. <laughs> like, let, let's be honest here. Come on. Like, but... Yeah. No, I'm going to say I'm going to say no. The Jets are not the worst Canadian team. Ottawa takes that mantle. So, yeah. Okay. That's a good one. That's a good one to start the year. Many more to come. I like it. I like it. Yeah, that's something yeah. we're going to try and do once a week. But yeah, so that concludes this part of the episode. Like Thomas said, we do have a special guest coming on, um, and we are going to introduce him. So thanks for listening to this part, and uh, we're going to bring in our special guest. This part of the episode, we, uh, we're bringing on a special guest. Uh, this guy, he was drafted in the second round, 33rd overall to the Hamilton Bulldogs in the 2015 OHL Priority Selection. He then played uh, parts of three seasons with the Bulldogs before being traded over to the Saginaw Spirit in the 2017-18 season, where he enjoyed three years with the Spirit. Uh, he was drafted 164th overall to the Detroit Red Wings back in the 2017 NHL Draft. Uh, welcome to the show, a good pal of ours, Riley Webb. <laughs> What's going on? Thanks for having me, fellas. No problem. Uh, so for those not wanting to know, Thomas and I went to high school back with uh, big old Weber Cheddar here. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did we spend? Two? You, you were there till the end of grade 10, I think, right? Uh, I think, yeah, I think end of grade 10. Maybe even, I think I left after the first semester of grade 10. I can't remember. Games. Yeah. I was bouncing all over schools <laughs> in my high school. But yeah. yeah. We, we had some fun times with Cheds. He was a... Uh, Ball hockey legend back in the day. Oh, I loved grade. I loved playing ball hockey in high school. I used to, <laughs> especially that teacher what was named Willie Thurner. Thurner. Got, me, <laughs> yeah. got me going. He always got me motivated to to get some you know, stuff done, eh? Good old blue forty two back in the day, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, kickstarting this. Uh, obviously, you're out in Acadia right now. Uh, you're out in Nova Scotia, but I want to take it back. Um, to the beginning of your kind of OHL career. You were obviously drafted by the Bulldogs. You're from Hamilton. I imagine you grew up, you know, going to Bulldogs games and what's not and whatnot. But just like, can you kind of talk about the experience of like playing with the Bulldogs in your hometown? Like how yeah, what kind of feeling that was? Uh, obviously, like growing up, I used to go to, they were the American League team, the, the Hamilton Bulldogs back then. But uh, I remember watching like P.K. Subban and uh, – guys like Carey Price coming through there and I used to just I used to love it like love hockey and then um as soon as I found out the OHL was coming to Hamilton I was pretty excited even though I wasn't like uh like technically like there yet but I was excited for you know hockey in Hamilton it was pretty pretty big and um yeah to get drafted by Hamilton was such an a such an experience for me I think um 
playing in your hometown is something like not, nothing nothing other but I think it also came with a lot of pressure too like I was I don't know I was just pressured to uh, pressure to just do well and there's a lot of distractions around Hamilton too for me so it was um, it was, it was a, overall it was a great experience for me I learned a ton and uh, I grew as a person as a as a player yeah I obviously love playing in front of my hometown it was it was a great atmosphere but I also like love playing in Saginaw too as much as that that's weird to say but yeah, no, playing in my hometown was something um, like no other is. Yeah, and uh, if I could just add on to that, like, a lot of players bring their families to games. Did you ever have them out to a lot of games? And was that some added pressure when, you know, if you had some really close friends, some extended family in the crowd that ever yeah. affect your game? Yeah, obviously, there was, I had family there pretty much every game and, like, different family members, so... Every game you gotta be like going, you gotta be going, right? So yeah, for me it was it was a bit of a challenge at such a young age coming to the OHL, but it was a mm-hmm. great experience for me, I think personally. Well, back in the seventeen eighteen season, you sadly got dealt to Saginaw. I just wanted your quick thoughts on that trade that sent you there. I just saw an opportunity in Saginaw that um, that like I, I don't know, I just felt like I had more opportunity to to perform and just really take my development to like a whole new level, like moving away from home. And just so many distractions, and Saginaw just allowed me to like just focus on hockey, you know. And uh, yeah, I think I developed a lot there, personally myself. Adding on to the trade, like when you found out, like you were, you you were probably what eighteen at the time. Uh yeah, I think I was around eighteen. So like, yeah, I think I just turned eighteen. Yeah. So like, what was your initial reaction to it? Like, was it like excitement, or was it kind of like, oh, like I have to leave, or like, what was kind of the right the reaction to the trade? Uh well. Uh, I kind of I knew it was going to be tough for me emotionally just taken out of that city but as soon as I found out I was honestly pretty excited to just get get a fresh start and just um, work as hard as you can every day at at something in like a different country is just pretty cool to me and how much opportunity I had was was also uh, extremely beneficial for me too so yeah it's something I, I tend to always forget is that like Saginaw's in the states and like because there's only what three yeah three there's only uh now. three three American teams in, in the yeah, OHL so like, so. so like having to go live in a different country must have been like I know the states isn't much different but still even kind of yeah. like you you were you were li- you got yeah, you were lucky enough you got to live in Hamilton your whole life yeah it was then. it was great for me I think moving to Saginaw was one of the better things I did just for um Growing up too as like a person, it's uh, it was a great experience for me for sure. Uh, so I guess moving on to the spirit here, I just I want to get you got to play with Cole Perfetti, and I think he was a rookie in your like first full year with the Spirit. Like this was a guy that just went tenth overall to uh, Winnipeg. He ripped it up last year. What are your like? How dominant do you think he can be at the NHL level? Yeah, personally, I think he's a he's a tremendous player, man. I just playing with him in practice is like I don't think I've ever had been on the ice with that sort of skill set before. He just has so many tools and so many. He just has so many like he can pick up passes from everywhere and he can just see plays develop, slow things down, and it's almost like when he's on the ice, like the puck just like follows him around and it's always on a stick and he's always he's always the guy making the plays and stuff so yeah he's he's a franchise player i would say for an nhl team and i was pretty shocked to see how how uh, low we went in the draft i thought he would be a whole lot higher because his his hockey iq is just off the charts i'm telling you yeah i remember watching that draft i think all of us were kind of like Holy crap, he's falling here. We have a buddy who's a Jets fan, so he was pretty pumped up about it. Yeah, he's, uh, he's going to be stellar for them, that's for sure. Um, a couple other guys I wanted to ask you about. You got to play with Owen Tippett as well. He's another guy that went another guy that went tenth overall. He went to Florida. Um, I I don't know. I don't think you played with him for very long, but you got to play against him. Obviously, he was on the Red Wings back when you were in the G. Then he was on the Steelheads. Like you got to play with Tippett. Now he's playing with Florida. He's I think he's starting his first full year. Hopefully. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, he's also another tremendous talent, I would say. Uh, I've known him for a long time, actually, and he, he just works so hard, and he's, his shot's incredible, man, and just the skills he has with the puck is, is actually unbelievable. <laughs> he's uh, one of the most skilled guys I've seen on the ice with the puck, and then his shot is just another 
huge weapon that he has. Yeah, he's definitely uh, going to be a huge player for Florida coming up here. And then the last guy I want to ask about, because this is a guy you went into Hamilton with. He was another guy we went to high school with. I want you to get, like, with Macker 5, with that whistle, because I think in high school what I remember was, like, everyone used to chirp him for whatever reason. And, like, then there was the whole thing where he got cut from the high school team and everyone was like, what the hell is going on here? Um, but you got to play with him in Hamilton. And, like, to be fair to, like, all the guys we went to school with, it looks like he might be one of the only ones that might actually make the NHL. Like, I think he's probably going to do it. Is he underrated kind of in a way? I guess not now, but what are your thoughts on him, like, when you got to actually go and play with him? No, he's he's always been a great player, man. He's, uh, he's always um, found – he's – He's gotten better as the years got like older and stuff, but he yeah he just kept working on his game. He's a really good player, man. He always was back in high school, and yeah, as soon as he went to Hamilton, he just kept working every day. He's a great player too, and he uh, he worked very hard for his opportunities. Is his voice still really high? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't th- I don't I don't think so. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I just I remember that. That was, that was pretty funny. Just like he's this guy's like a he, he was a beast. Like he was big, and then like his voice was so like it was so jarring. I remember like when I met him for the first time. Uh, just quickly, who's your favorite NHL team? Was it the Leafs? Uh, I don't really have a favorite team. I would just say I like watching hockey. I watch it like every day, pretty much. Yeah, yeah I don't really have a team. Uh, I, just, I just like watching it. Is your favorite player still <laughs> Dustin Penner? <laughs> um. <laughs> Well, he's retired now, so... Uh, my favorite player right now, I would say... Hmm, I'm a huge uh, Colton Pareko fan, if you watch St. Louis. Damn, Solid that's player. a good comparison. Yeah, um, that's a good pick. I love watching him play. He's a great team, man. And then, like, all-time, I guess, if you're in the Wings organization now as a defenseman, any any love for Nick Lidstrom? Yeah, uh, he's obviously a special... I've, I've never met him or anything, but... Uh, he was always like someone I would watch growing up and uh, watch how smart he was with the puck and his IQ was incredible too. He's um, a world-class player, that's for sure. Yeah, well, since we're on the Red Wings kind of note here, uh, what was that feeling being drafted in the sixth round by them? I know Russo kind of said before the podcast started you were at home on your bed or something when you got drafted. Yeah, um, I was just kind of watching the draft at home. I wasn't really expecting too much. I only... I only played like 12 or 20 or maybe 12 games my my draft year, so I was pretty limited. But, um, yeah, I seen my name – or I, I got a call, actually, my agent, like a couple seconds before my name popped up. But he was just like, yeah, you got drafted. And I was just like freaking out. And that was a pretty exciting day for me and the family. Yeah, I remember I Snapchatted you and you're like, you were like just lying on your bed and you were like, thanks. <laughs> 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 that was pretty funny. Um, I guess with Detroit, like, have you, you – Kenny Holland was the GM at the time. He was, yeah. He, yeah, so, like, have you – I guess Iserman's at the helm now. Have you actually been able to talk to him about anything, or has it kind of just been, like, you're doing your thing and they're doing theirs? No, uh, yeah, I haven't really talked to him in a while, honestly. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of just working on myself and trying to get my degree, and then hopefully I can play uh, – some pro after I get uh, some schooling done. So just adding on to that, like, um, we've been to Wings camp, I believe. Have you made any, I guess, like, friends with some of the other prospects or talked to a few of them? Like Rasmussen, I believe, was also your draft year. Uh, Cider was two years after. Anything there? No, I honestly haven't. I haven't been to camp in uh, two years now. So like the development camp. So uh, I didn't really know. I know I knew what Rasmussen is, but uh, I've, I've met a couple prospects over like my journey there that I still keep in touch with. Uh, like the goalie, uh, I don't know if you know, Caden Fulcher. We, uh, he's in the Red Wings organization. I actually live with him in Hamilton. So I keep in touch oh, with yeah. him quite often. He's a goaltender though, so. <laughs> yeah that's about it uh, I guess I guess kind of you said you went to you I guessing you were in dev camp in 2018 because you said you went two years ago correct yes yep so you got to I guess share the ice a little bit with Philip Zadina 
Um, I did, yeah. So he's pretty good. I, I mean, there's a reason yeah, he, he went so high, but he's pretty good. Yeah, he's a yeah, he's a great talent for sure. He's a, a lethal goal scorer too. He's going to be a good player coming up probably this year. It's just going to be his really break your ear. I'm thinking for sure. Um, I guess moving on to like what you're doing right now. You said you're at Acadia. What are you schooling for? Like, what are you What are you trying to get your degree? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm in I'm in community development right now. Ah, so it's very nice. A professional study. Yeah, I'm trying to get my degree and then play some pro after after yeah. I get my degree and. Yeah, that's not bad. Um, I've interviewed Frankie Corrado, Mike Weaver in the past, and 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 Elijah as well. He's going to Ryerson right now. Would you say, if you can go back in time, obviously you're very excited that you're like a hockey player, you go to the OHL, you get drafted at the NHL, but is there anything you would go back in time to do and get your education that early or is it, or everything you've did so far is like what you wanted after all? Uh, not really, no. I love my junior years, honestly. I just, yeah, I think in junior, you just got to enjoy every, every memory because, you know, you don't get that forever, right? So, right. no, I think I'd... I don't have any regrets at all, really. Uh, I'm still going to get my degree either way and still going to play pro after. So Sorry, how many how many years of the program you're in? Uh, I'm assuming four, this is your first four year. Years. Yeah. I guess kind of going back a little bit, let's go back to March. Um, obviously, when you know COVID happened and the whole league-wide shutdown, this was – it was your last year, obviously, in the O. It was your Oscar playing junior. I know – I imagine it was a tough time for you because your team was so good. Like you guys were probably primed to at least, you know, contend to go to the, the Mem Cup. Um, but like, what was kind of your reaction like to the league shutting down? Like, did you guys think that potentially would come back or did you think like, this is it, it's over? Um, yeah, there was hope there for a bit. They told us to go home for two weeks. I remember it, it didn't look too promising after that. So, no, once I once we heard about going home for two weeks, it kind of got a little bit uh, crazier. But yeah, once we found out the season was done, it was pretty bumming. But uh, I know um, another guy who went to high school with Elijah Roberts. I know he was really pushing uh, for the O to give the OAs like one more year. Were you kind of on that boat, or was it kind of like, you know, it is what it is, and it's over, and we'll move on here? Yeah, for sure, I was on that boat for sure, but. Uh, I didn't think that would that would happen, but uh, that would have been pretty cool to see. But I don't think uh, that would work out too well, <laughs> especially they don't even have a season right now, so <laughs> it'd be yeah. pretty hard. I guess going back to the OHL for one second, if the season kind of happens, you know, we've heard about this no contact in the OHL. Like you were a guy that I know you threw some like big hits around. Like you, you obviously you're a big guy. Like what are like would this be? This would be a pretty harming thing to player development if they go through with this if and when the season starts oh for sure i honestly couldn't see them playing without contact i couldn't really see any of the players playing either that's a, <laughs> that's a huge part of the game so there's no contact and i don't think many guys are going to be playing very hard there could even be more like i don't know other stuff that's going to happen i don't know what the repercussions there will be but there's no contact there's going to be like fighting i would imagine so <laughs> yeah and more penalties exactly that's obviously a tough decision but just kind of going to a lighter side of things i always ask this question to former players and former ohl players and i just want to know what is the best prank or the funniest things that happened in your junior career like can you say something or is it or is it too is it rated r for this podcast i have a funny story actually in detroit's camp okay uh I ended up, I think I had a, a scrimmage or something one, one evening, and uh, there's obviously, like, I, I think it was main camp at the time, so um, there was, like, obviously, like, the NHL players there, and we had, like, a split squad scrimmage, and, you know, I'm playing against, like, Nicholas Cronwell across the ice, and uh, after the game, I ended up uh, just showering and then uh, going for, like, they have, like, a like a meal place where everyone like eats and stuff after the games yeah so i grab a plate of food and um look around there's like tables kind of pretty much filled and then there's just one table with one guy at it and i go and uh go and sit down it's nicholas cronwell sitting there and uh i ended up uh sitting beside him whatever and um so i sit down and uh i ended up dropping my plate all over the floor all over, <laughs> all over him too 
<laughs> he was like, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is this is not a good first impression here. Yeah, what a great start. Yeah, so I dropped my food all over him. He's he's such a nice guy. He was like, oh, go get another one, go get another one. <laughs> not so, even worried yeah. about himself. Yeah, not worried about his $10,000 outfit he's got on, but I just ruined. <laughs> you were just worried yeah. about you might get cronwalled in the next practice, eh? Yeah, seriously, I was not trying to get cronwalled next practice. <laughs> another story I wanted to bring up, because this is what I remember being like one of my funniest moments like with you in high school do you remember grade nine math when when what's his name uh, remember like it was me you and robbie bird and remember oh. we were writing a test and he was as white as a ghost and then he asked our teacher like can i go to the bathroom our teacher says yes like during a test we walk out and all we hear is this massive bang like in the hallway our teacher runs out and robbie bird like he was he went first round of the ohl draft same year as you guys as you went and he's just lying on the floor just passed out and we had no idea what happened i remember we were just laughing because like you know like we're in the middle of a test and like just some random thing happens he comes back on monday and this guy says yeah i hit my head off the um <laughs> off the water fountain yeah i think i remember, you remember that. that do you remember that that was, that? <laughs> that was a crazy story i didn't even i don't even know if i do remember that but that is just, a crazy that is a crazy story that was really funny. There was that, just like all the times in grade nine math when we just did not, or not math, French, when we just uh, didn't yeah. give a shit. Oh my God. Good the times. French, the French class was pretty tough for me. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is there anything else you guys wanted to add here with, uh, with Cheddar here? No, I'll just hope Cheds has the best of luck going in the future with his, obviously is going into school and uh, some pro hockey later. Hopefully see you rip it up. So I'm pretty Thank excited you. to see that in the future. Thank you, boys. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, we uh, we would like to thank uh, Riley Webb for coming on here. Uh, like I said, me and Thomas, we went to high school with him. Like, one of the mm-hmm. best guys we've known. Uh, he was, like, the nicest guy in high school. Like, a little intimidating. I remember Thomas was saying it because if, if you haven't seen Riley Webb, he's huge. He's, like, 6'4". He's a massive guy, but nicest guy ever. So, shout out to him for coming on. Um, you can follow him on Twitter and Instagram. I believe it's just at Riley Webb. Um, but yeah, that concludes it for this episode. We want to thank everyone for listening. Like as always, you can follow mm-hmm. us at the Burning Leaf Pod on Instagram and on Twitter, and we do have a YouTube channel where we do post clips out of that the Burning Leaf Pod as well. And uh, more hockey to come. We're excited, so uh, we'll see you guys in the next one.